This is 10 Minutes at the Bar with Mike Teen. You give us 10 minutes, he gives you the world of Miami law. All right, we're here with the great trial lawyer, Alan Kaiser. Alan Kaiser is uh, truly one of the greatest trial lawyers I have ever seen in court. I had the I, I had the pleasure and uh, privilege and learned from him, watching him many times trying some of the biggest cases in the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s. So welcome, Alan. Thanks for making the time for us. My pleasure. How many cases have you tried since 1983 when you went to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami? I've tried over 100 jury trials. Wow. And, and unlike most lawyers, that doesn't include arbitrations and mediations and FINRA, right? No, that's putting 12 in the box and trying a case. That's really amazing. <laughs> I've, I've watched you try some of the biggest cases in Miami. Uh, you did the Port of Miami corruption case, right? Correct. Any other big famous cases uh, you're known for at the U.S. Attorney's Office? The county commissioner case, Jim Burke. Yep. Convictions all around. No, conviction of Jim Burke. And everyone else acquitted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> so for real, um, the, the, the big purpose of this podcast is for lawyers starting out to get tips from the greats um, about how, how to orient their careers, but, and, but particularly how to try cases. So can you give us some of your best trial secrets for free? right now in the next eight minutes? Sure. Great, thanks. Go ahead. Okay, well... Let's start now. The most important thing is you have to learn how to play chess as a young kid. All right. You learn how to play chess and you're good at chess and you learn how to think several moves ahead of, of, of the game, you could be a good trial lawyer. Okay, what about... Let's just assume we didn't play chess as a kid. And you can't be a trial lawyer. Okay, but... Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> New career for some of us. Okay, for all right. Now for those of us, well, not us, those people out there who did play chess well as a kid, now assume that we're a chess player, we've gone to law school. Tell us about some really good trial tips. Well, one of the most important things for me is what are you trying to do in your case? If you're trying, uh, if you're a prosecutor and you're trying to convict someone... <clears throat> You have to self-actualize and see yourself getting all the evidence in that you can to reach that goal of a conviction. So you start out by identifying all the elements of what you need to prove, write your closing argument, know your closing argument, and then you begin trying your case leading to what you need to do to get to that closing argument. When do you generally write and when have you generally written your closing arguments? I've never written a closing argument. When have you started outlining them in your mind? Before I even <laughs> begin working on the case. That's the first thing I do. Tell when, us about that. Tell I, I review everything I can about the case, and then I start thinking in terms of what am I going to do for closing in this case. Now, you say you don't write your closings. Do you rehearse them? No, I never do that. What I do is I'll write notes, and I'll write things and jot things down, and I get a story in my mind, and I'm able to just remember everything. And so at trial, it just comes out as a story from a start to a finish. Now, I, I know that uh, one of your trademarks is not using notes in front of the jury, right? right. I, I've never seen you come out and put a piece of paper down or a pad 
on the podium before you start asking questions or arguing, right? Correct. So for, for those of us out here who don't have um, photographic memories, what, what, what about the fear of, oh, I'm going to forget something. I'm going to forget a question. I'm going to forget to make this argument in closing. What, what, how do you, what's your advice to young lawyers of what to do with that thought? You just have to practice. And the most important thing is, I always look at it like, I want the jury to look at me and think that this guy's prepared, he knows his case, he's living his case, and he's serious about his case. And the way to do that is don't be wedded to notes and get behind a podium and start reading. Look at the jury, show them your body, and talk to them. And sure, I forget things sometimes, but it's not going to win or lose the case if you forget something. And so I would tell anyone who's starting out, look, you get better and better, and it gets to be routine to where you'll, you'll realize it's not that tough to not be wedded to notes. And it makes you know your case better than anybody. I always have this fear of being out-prepared, and I never want to be out-prepared. And once I start a trial, I don't stop thinking until it's over, because I think if I stop not coming up with new ideas and being creative, I'm going to get out-prepared and lose. So it's a fear. And, and when you say, once you start a trial, you don't mean after the jury's picked. You mean once you start prepping your case for trial, right? Once I start prepping the case, it's like everything is into that case. How long in advance for a case that's going to be a two-week trial do you set everything else aside and start only working on this case? As early as I can. I can't really tell you. I just start very early on. A month? It's not going to be exclusively working on one thing. I can still do some other things, but I'll devote most of my time to that one particular case to get it ready for trial. Depends what kind of case it is. A month could be a year. Yeah. Do you sleep during trial? Very little. Like, like how much, really? Like, Two, three like, hours? Like going to bed and still thinking about what I have to do the next day, getting a couple of hours, waking up every hour on the hour, and then getting up. And, and you have certain routines that you stick to in your life, your work life, no matter whether you're in trial or not. Isn't that true? It is true. I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I wake up at 3.30. I run at 4 o'clock. I get to work by 6 o'clock. Every day? Every day. That's so And I would get amazing. to work early, but Starbucks doesn't open until <laughs> 6 o'clock now. So I get to work at 6.10. I just remember when, when I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office and you were the chief of major crimes... And the U.S. Attorney, then Tom Scott, assigned you to try the Port case, right? That's correct. And there were, how many tapes in that case of uh, recorded conversations? 200? There was a lot. Well, let's just say 200 for the purpose of this discussion, okay, Alan? I just remember, I would get in pretty early. I mean, I would get into the office 738, which is about two hours before almost every other prosecutor in the office. But I, I would get in there, and you would already be in your office with headphones on, with this big tape recorder, and just a box, a, a cardboard box full of these cassette tapes every single day until the, the, the assistant U.S. attorneys came in, and then you'd turn to being a supervisor for the rest of the day. So I had the luxury of having three hours at least in the morning to be able to do that. So I got an incredible amount of work done. And I still, I do remember that box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, where, where do you stand in the courtroom when you're examining a witness? 
I try and stand on my two feet. First of all, well, I mean that's obvious. That's really helpful. Maybe we can. Maybe we'll be able to delete that question and answer and post. You asked in in, in the post uh, session mixing studio that that we have for this podcast. I didn't say how do you stand. I said where do you stand. Why don't you when, listen? When I <laughs> when I question a witness, a good trial lawyer will listen. Uh, when I stand. Asking my questions. <laughs> Where do you stand? I stand as close as I can to the jury box, looking straight onto the witness so that when the witness answers the question, they're looking at me and then the jury. So that the jury thinks that we're just all having a conversation and they're part of it, as opposed to standing behind a podium. And not, not in, the, in the center of the jury, but you stand at the far corner of the jury box, right? As far away from the witness so that... He has to look or she has to look at the jury, through the jury to see me. Interesting. And so you, um, where there's a microphone, like in the federal courts, you, you physically pick the microphone up and move it over there. And put it on the, the bar where the jury is. And then when opposing counsel gets up to cross or redirect, depending on... Uh, part of the case, do they stand there too or do they move it? No, they move it to the podium and go from there. Right, and get behind the podium. Right, exactly. Do exactly what I want them to do. (laughs) What about, uh, you have a tip for closing argument? Do a good one. Right, again, we're going to have to edit all this stuff out because no one knows our sense of humor. What's a tip for closing? It just depends what kind of case you have. The, the tip for closing is just to be as convincing as you can about the evidence that you produced at the trial and to independently verify everything that your witnesses said so that you can vouch for their truth. What about using um, demonstratives, using PowerPoint? Total advocate of using any type of demonstrative for the jury. The jury wants to see things instead of hearing things. So the more you can show them, the more you can demonstrate with them, the better you're going to be. I'm a definite proponent now of PowerPoint presentations, an opening statement through witnesses, and especially in closing argument. So we're, we're over the 10 minutes, the prescribed 10 minutes, but I, I, I oh, really... Oh, this is so much fun. Let's keep going. <laughs> you know, imagine, how our, imagine how the audience feels. They're, yeah. they're riveted. <laughs> What's the, your, your favorite moment? In the, the tobacco cases that I try, I get so involved in them. And I, I just get to know these plaintiffs or their family members. And the, the proudest moment in any one of these cases is to get a huge check and present it to them and make them a millionaire. There's nothing better than doing that. <laughs> Give us one example. Tell us one story before we go. Well, I had a, a client. Her name is Virginia Williams, and she was the personal representative and the husband of her spouse who died of throat cancer. And she was just such a wonderful lady, and she had nothing in her life and, and had no money to speak of. So we won the case, and when we collected the check about a year and a half later, I called her up and I said that I needed to come to the office and sign some papers. She had no idea that the check was there, and I had an envelope full of papers, and she sat down, and I said, here, let me go get these papers for you. And I brought the envelope in. I said, here, go open this up and bring, get the papers out, and you'll start signing them. And she opens it up. And she takes the papers out, and there's a check for $3 million. (laughs) 
<laughs> and needless to say, she was very excited. And I said, look, you're going to have to watch yourself with this check. And she left saying, I have a dog. Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> Those great. are proud moments. I enjoy that more than anything that I do in the law. Oh, that's a, that's a great story. And, and you're, doing, you're doing God's work. Great work, Alan. Uh, Thank, you for that. Thank you. Thank you for making the time for us. It's really, uh, I, I urge anybody out there who wants to learn how to try a case to get in contact with Alan and find out the next time he's going to be in the courtroom and just sit back there and watch as much of it as you can, uh, which is what I did when I was uh, first starting out. And I appreciate all the tips you gave me then, some of which we're not going to talk about here because I don't want anybody else to know them. <laughs> Thanks again, Alan, and, and, and continued best of luck with your practice. My pleasure. Thank you.